you are tuned in to the Creative Dive Podcast, and I'm your host, Renee Leanne. Join us as we dive into the creative lives of artists, musicians, and people working in the arts to find the hidden gems in their stories and experiences. So today on the podcast, I'm going to be speaking with Michael Shimada. He is the artistic director of the Bell Free Theater in Victoria, BC. And I'm really excited to talk to you today, Michael. So thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me. So I guess just to get started, the first question that I wanted to ask you was, what was your childhood like? And when did you start to explore your own creativity? I always have trouble with this because I, I wrote a play in grade, in grade one. I wrote a nativity play and we, we actually toured it from class to class. Um, that was unprompted. Uh, and I'm not quite sure where, where that came from, what my knowledge of theater or just putting on a play. I'm not sure where that came from. My, neither of my parents were particularly artistic. Um, my mother's mother was a fantastic self-taught kind of honky-tonk piano player, but um, and I can't imagine that I had been to see uh, a play before then, although my parents did, a, I, we lived in Toronto, and so I did see a couple of things eventually at, at uh, O'Keefe Centre, which was the big touring house. So I'm not sure where that play came from, but I do know that uh, going to the theatre, I can remember seeing The King and I, I can remember a friend of my parents taking me to see The Nutcracker, and we were sitting close enough that I could look into the wings. And I know that I was more fascinated, maybe not more fascinated. I, I was drawn to, to watching the dancers preparing in the wings to enter and, and the different costumes and all that. I know that had a big, a big influence on me. So it, it feels like I always knew that theater was where I was headed, but I'm not really sure that I can pinpoint exactly when that happened. I do know there was a, there was a production, uh, 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 an outdoor production just at, at the kindergarten that I eventually went to. Oh, I did do a play in kindergarten. We did the Three Little Pigs when I was in kindergarten and I really wanted to be one of the pigs and I, and I wasn't. So maybe that's where it all came from. Maybe it was just um, <laughs> blind ambition and ego that, that drove me to uh, I ended up I ended up playing two sticks together. That was my my part in the show, but I really really wanted to be a pig. <laughs> so that's a very a non-answer to your question. I think you answered part of it. So yeah, uh, that's great though. And and yeah, you're discovering things about your past that you forgot. So that's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but okay, so you had this interest and in maybe even you know, developed into sort of a fascination with theater and maybe the behind the scenes aspect with it. And so that kind of maybe sparked something in you. But after you were finished high school, you were going to study design at York University in Toronto, you you started it. And from there, you, you left, um, you didn't finish it, but you left to take on a role as an assistant stage manager. So can you tell me about what made you decide to, I guess, first of all, 
take design and then also then to leave design to change course and to go into the world of theater? Well, uh, I guess the design interest came from uh, when I would see a play, I would come home and I would, like when I was probably 13, 14, 15, I would come home and I would make models of the sets that I had seen in the play. So, so I guess that, that was sort of where the design interest came from. And I, I liked drawing and things like that. I did audition to be in the acting program at York, but was not accepted. I also auditioned to be in the dance program at York and I was accepted on the spot, which just made me suspicious that they just wanted, they needed some more men is what was my suspicion. <laughs> so, um, so I went into the, the design program. Um, partly, I think I was a very good student in high school, but it was, I, I had a good memory and I kind of learned by rote. And I think when I got to university, I realized that I didn't really know how to learn yet. Um, or at least looking back, I, I realized that. So what happened was between my first year at university and my second year, five of us from York University, York at that point had a connection with the Shaw Festival. Um, I, I think the production manager at Shaw was one of the professors at, at York. And so five of us were invited to come and be on the, the crew at the Shaw Festival. It was not an IATSE house yet. It was not a, a, you didn't have to be part of, there wasn't a union involved in the crewing of the, the theater at that point. And it was the, the year they had just opened the new, the big theater the year before. Uh, so there were, we were a ragtag bag. I, it, it was crazy. We, and we did everything from, you know, sweeping the floor to changing the sets to playing bit parts in the background. And it was a fantastic uh, first, first entry into professional theater. Uh, while I was on the crew, I noticed that there were these other, other people that weren't working quite as hard, but seemed to be like kind of more into what was happening and that was those were the apprentice stage managers so I asked to come back the next year as, as an apprentice stage manager so I went back for my second year at York uh, went to Shaw as an apprentice in stage management and again there were so there were two of us and we we kind of ran the shows backstage we it was crazy we I had these, you know, we, we, we did all the setup of everything. We set out all the props and then we ran the show like any, anything that needed to be kind of done during the show. We, we did it and they were busy shows. And I had this, you know, I had four or five pages for each show or however many, and I had typed them up or, and had them folded up into my back pocket and I'd come home and I'd put them on my dresser. And as time went on, they were like totally falling apart. Nobody ever asked us for, Nobody ever asked us what we did. And so they were going on tour. They were taking a production of Caesar and Cleopatra uh, on tour. And the assistant stage managers didn't know, didn't know how to, didn't know what happened with the show. No, they had to take one of the apprentices with them because we were the only two people who knew actually what was going on backstage and how to set up the show and where all the props went and all of that. So, so I said, yes, I, I, I felt, I think I felt like I was joining the theater, you know, joining, well, I was like joining the circus and going on the road. I think it was like, it felt exciting to me. And I felt like I was um, necessary, I guess, because we, were, we really were the two of us. One of us had to be there. And I don't really think I gave a second thought to not going back to York. It was, it was sort of, it was a four-year program. Um, I'd done two years. I don't think I felt like I was 
I was also I was I, I had designed something and the and the design instructor was out of town or something and never saw it and I think I was I was um, pissed off about that and so I didn't have a a huge urge to to go back I was really happy to just join the professional world full time so that's what I did. Well, it sounds like an awesome opportunity for somebody that would be interested in that. And it sounds like that was just really like a natural progression of what you were doing from then. So, yeah, um, yeah. so maybe you can tell me a little bit about the journey beyond that, that you've taken that has brought you to your current role, which is the artistic director at the Belfry Theatre. Sure. Well, what happened, of course, was I came back from tour and <laughs> didn't have a job. Uh, so I supply taught for the rest of the year until I went back to Shaw as an assistant stage manager. So I think I did two years as an assistant, and then I did a year as a stage manager there. Uh, between seasons at Shaw, I went out to Manitoba Theatre Centre for a couple of years. I went out to uh, the Citadel Theatre and stage managed there. And I was at the Citadel and I received a contract from Shaw, uh, inviting me to come back to stage manage. The year before had been had been had been a really tough year. It, uh, there'd been a lot of recasting that happened, and so we were kind of in rehearsal all the time. And uh, so I got this contract for minimum salary, and I called and asked for a raise of ten dollars a week. And the message came back a couple of days later that I uh, they they weren't going to pay me the ten dollars extra. So I said okay i'm i'm out of there so by then i I, because of the tour i'd met a stage manager who was the production stage manager at the charlottetown festival so i called him to see if there was a job going and i called the production manager at stratford and i'm not sure how i knew him and asked him if they had a job they had one job left and it was assistant stage manager at what was then called the third stage now the tom patterson theater uh so i took that so I went to Shaw, to Stratford rather, and I spent uh, seven years at Stratford. Most of my time spent stage managing uh, productions directed by John Hirsch, who was the artistic director. And then I got a job at the what was then called Center Stage, which eventually became, well, during my time there, merged with Toronto Free Theatre and became the Canadian Stage Company. And that job was as assistant to Bill Glasgow, who was the artistic director of Center Stage and then Canadian Stage. And Bill was the, the founder of the Tarragon Theatre in Toronto. That was a great learning experience as far as uh, artistic direction, just watching Bill in action, seeing what worked, what didn't, um, just kind of understanding the role from, from the inside of it. Um, and... I feel like I'm missing a somewhere along there. I decided I was going to start directing. I guess when I, when I finished at Stratford, uh, I felt like I'd kind of done as much as I could do as a stage manager. I, I, I felt like I'd kind of hit a ceiling a bit. So, and the part of stage management that I enjoyed the most was actually the running the shows, especially for the long runs at, at Stratford, where it was important to keep talking to the actors and giving notes giving them space to grow within the roles, but also main, making sure that um, it was all within the parameters of the production and the, the way that the director would have wanted it to, to grow. So that was the part I enjoyed. And, and so it seemed like a natural step to go into directing, um, which I did in kind of baby steps. 
I did a, a, a summer stock show at Grand Bend. That was my first professional directing experience. Um, and I'd done an equity showcase, which um, they don't have these anymore, but it was a great, uh, you could apply to do a production. Nobody got paid. There was a little bit of money for, um, for sets and costumes, and then they advertised it and uh, rented the theater. And, and it was a, a great way to kind of showcase your work. Uh, so I did one of those, and that, that had gone fairly well. So I was working with Bill and, and directing more. And there was a, a job that, so I was there for, I was at Canadian Stage maybe for, I guess, four, four years, probably. Theatre New Brunswick, which is based in Fredericton, was looking for an artistic director, and I applied for the job and did not get it. Uh, Sharon Pollock, who just recently died, a uh, great playwright. Uh, Sharon uh, was appointed. And about a year and a half later, Sharon had left, and they were looking again. And somehow I, I, I knew it was, I went into the interview knowing it was my job. I, and that sounds egotistical. I don't mean that. I just knew that it was the right place for me, uh, the right fit. And uh, I was in fact appointed and I was at Theatre in Brunswick for five and a half years, the very, very happy years. <laughs> in fact, we just had a 25 year, one of the gentlemen who had been on the crew at Theatre in New Brunswick got in touch with a bunch of us that had been there and we, we had a Zoom get together about three weeks ago and it was fantastic. It was a really great place to work and it was fantastic. Um, and from there, uh, I was offered the artistic directorship of the Grand Theatre in London, Ontario. And I did that for four seasons. I was fired from there. And then, which was the best thing that could possibly have happened. So I went, moved back to Toronto and focused on my directing career. So I worked as a freelancer for about 10 years, doing a lot of work in Vancouver at the Vancouver Playhouse and Bart on the Beach, as well as other places across Canada. And I started to feel that the West Coast was, it felt like my artistic home somehow. Uh, it just felt like a good place for me. And so I had in my head that I would move out West. And when the Belfry job came up, it was sort of the same feeling as with theater in New Brunswick. I, I saw the job posting and it, it just felt, felt right. I had been thinking about wanting to get back into an artistic director position. Uh, when you're freelancing, it's, um, you know, there's a certain, there's control and, and although I, 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 the hustle, the, the hustle. hustle. Yeah. I mean, you can have three jobs lined up and you're always thinking, what's the fourth one going to be? And although I, I was successful as a freelancer and working in, you know, in, in good theaters, but still it was, it was tough making ends meet. It was tough. But I also felt like I just wanted to get, to, to have a relationship with an audience again. That was the part that I kind of missed as a freelancer. When you're an artistic director, you get to know the audience and there's a, there's a, a kind of continuing relationship there as opposed to putting up a show and then leaving the day after it opens. Mm -hmm. And again, as I say, when I, when I saw the posting, I thought that this, this feels, this feels right. And happily the search committee felt the same way. So, so you've been there for how long now? I've been there for 13 years. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Very so fortunate I am.
Yeah. So maybe you can just talk a little bit about what an artistic director does for maybe some of the listeners and maybe they have an idea of uh, what that role is, but I would love to hear from you what that role is. Um, well, uh, primarily, I mean, I guess the most obvious part of the job is programming. So choosing the plays and, uh, and then choosing the, art, the artistic personnel. So choosing the play, then inviting a director to come and direct it, and in concert with the director, choosing the designers and the cast. That's the simple way of putting it. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot involved, in, obviously, in programming. Yeah. Um, and also sometimes directing. Not all artistic directors are directors. There have been many who have been. Virgil Carreta, for instance, at Tarragon was a, a dramaturg and didn't direct anything. I don't always direct. I usually do one a year. Sometimes I've done two. And one season I didn't direct anything. It, it just didn't. It felt like the, there were other people that were better suited for the plays. In addition to that, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's kind of. Uh, overseeing the all artistic aspects of the operation. So, you know, in, in discussion with our executive director and marketing director, the images that, that are put out, brochures that are put together, the poster images. Also, just ensuring that artists are are well taken care of, that, 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 that kind of all aspects of the theatre are aware of the artists and their needs, which at the Belfry is is not something that I really have to pay a lot of attention to because it's a remarkable group of people. And even with staff changes, this sounds like uh, a line, but it's the truth. Every artist who comes to the Belfry, before they leave, they come to the office and say, you know, please ask us back. This is like, we love being here. And, and when we do, we have a, a, a festival that we do called the Spark Festival. And so we bring in shows that have been touring or that are, that are touring or that have played elsewhere and have already um, been mounted and had some acclaim. They always say, this is the happiest experience we've had. And, and, they, and we love playing to this audience as well. Mm-hmm. So, so artists are very, very well taken care of at the Bellevue, but that, that is part of the job to oversee that. Uh, there's a lot of writing involved, which, I don't think any search committee looking for an artistic director has ever asked whether an artistic director can write or not, but it's a huge part of the job, writing grants, uh, writing program notes, um, letters of reference for people. Uh, anyway, but the grant, the grant writing is a, is, a, is a huge part of it. And I don't know that every artistic director gets involved in grant writing. I, I suppose in bigger organizations, there's, you know, there's more people in the development area that are working on that. But I feel it's really important that, that the artistic voice comes through. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess being the artistic voice of the company is, is, is a lot of it. Right. And then, yeah. And then a lot of um, community outreach and, you know, doing our best to serve the community, both our audience. So, you know, audience outreach, um, also, you know, assisting uh, other organizations within the community as well. Um, and then uh, um, addressing, making sure that we are, because we're a contemporary theater, that we are addressing contemporary issues. So 
we made a commitment a couple of years ago that that we would do one indigenous-led production every season to make space for indigenous artists. It's been fantastic. It's um, they're always the most the indigenous productions that we've done have always been the most popular. That's amazing. And and uh, you know, with Black Lives Matter, obviously, you know that increased um, importance for us to make sure that we are. We've always paid attention to diversity, but uh, not to the extent I think that 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 we we need to we you know focusing on stepping that up. We have a, a program for emerging artists that we developed uh, where they can come in and, and apprentice with a lighting designer or you know whatever their area of interest is, a set and costume designer, a director, play development. You know, I I commission you know call certain playwrights and ask them if they would write a play for the Belfry. And that's just the beginning. Then it's you know, reading drafts and dramaturgy and workshops and you know, developing a, a piece over. That's a long time, you know, three or four year process often. And reading plays that get sense, which is the the most guilt inducing part of the job because it's impossible to keep up with them, uh, no matter how. I think every direct, artistic director would say the same thing. The, the, the stack bills, but um, I try to do the best I can with that. So there's, it's, it's, um, and also, uh, you know, keeping in touch with colleagues across the country, the possibility of co-producing, doing a, a production, rehearsing and producing it here and then sending it somewhere else or vice versa. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of different things that you're involved in and that the position is so multifaceted and dynamic, always kind of changing and evolving. And uh, it just sounds really interesting as well, the amount of people that you're working with on an ongoing basis and new people that you're working with all the time as well. What would you say is your favorite part of all of those things that you're doing? Oh, um, I think, well, obviously I'll take directing off the table. Because that you know, directing a show and you know, guiding it to opening and all that is fantastic. I think a lot of the audience outreach that we do, we do this uh, live talk show that Gregor Craigie hosts uh, before the before the opening of each production, like on the Saturday before we open. We open on Thursdays. We do like a live talk show in the, in our studio space uh, where Gregor interviews the director, uh, one of the leading actors, and a couple of people from the community who are experts on some aspect of the play. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think probably what I'm most excited, and, and, and it links into that, is, the, is making sure that, that the productions have a takeaway. Not that, you know, not that we don't do comedies or do shows with music, whatever the piece is that we do, that there's some, something, there's some bit of meat to it that an audience can, go away and talk about Mm -hmm. and and i find that the 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 extra those audience uh enhancement pieces the the pieces that that add on to the experience i find that i find that really exciting so my next question is do you have any advice i'm sure that you do because you have such a you know, a long history of experience with lots of different things that you've done. So do you have any advice for creative people that are starting out in their careers 
And maybe they're unsure of their direction, but they know they have a love for the arts. And maybe that involves theater, or maybe it's behind the scenes of theater or anything like that. What, what advice would you have for somebody that's starting out like that? I guess I would say find a way to, to, to be involved. Uh, get, get a foot in the door somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think even if, you know, if, because you say even if it's not theater, even if you're, you know, if you're a visual artist, but, but you, you, you don't have a place to be, you know, or belong to or a community around you yet, do some volunteer or do something. Just, just get in and meet the people that are, that are in that, the creative world. And, you know, it's so much of it is, is, is based on the people that you meet and the connections you make. Um, mm-hmm. that is so to- totally, uh, a lot of it's luck and a lot of it is, is, is who you are. Certainly my advice to anybody going to the theater is be a good person because, uh, it's, it's a very small, uh, despite like from, from Victoria to, to, uh, St. John's, it's a small community and people know each other and if you're a good person, the word spreads. And if you're not, the word spreads. Mm-hmm. Not that there are not that there are that many that aren't, but um, yeah. I think yeah, really find a way to do to do something creative, uh, whether whether it's you're doing it by yourself at home, uh, but if you can get into some kind of a, a situation where there are people around you, whether they're doing exactly the same thing as you or not, but that are also creative and in the arts, I think that that's really vital, and 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 one thing will lead to another, and doors doors will open. I think if you're, yeah. I will say I've been, I've been, I've been lucky. Um, you know, luck has played a, a large part in, in, in my trajectory. So, um, but it sounds like you've also worked really hard and you did take that advice that you're giving is you really put yourself out there and, and you did get involved in many different ways. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, I, you know, when I was sweeping the floor at Shaw that first summer, I was happy, happy as a pig in shit, but um, I don't think I ever thought here I am sweeping the floor and that's going to lead to me being an artistic director somewhere. But, but it really did. I mean, I, the, the people that I worked with that summer, you know, I've encountered over and over again and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and that job led to the next job at Shaw, which led to the next job at Shaw. So yeah. Yeah. Even if it's working in the box office, you know, mm-hmm. get it, it, it it, it's uh, get into some kind of place where there are other other artists around, and then you can you know talk to people there about about um, the next step and things like that. Yeah, that's great advice. Thanks for that. What is coming up at the Belfry Theater that you're excited to tell us about? Audiences. That's what's coming <laughs> after this this year and a half of no audiences, no theater. Right. Um, we're we have a season planned that uh, will start November the twenty third. It's a great season. It's a big season. It's it's uh, I'm very excited about that. So that, that's that's really the most the most exciting thing. And the recent news that um, no longer is the 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 limit going to be fifty people in the theater, but fifty percent of our capacity. That right has made that makes a huge difference. Just to have people back in the theater is. We just finished filming um, a production that we had had to 
postpone, cancel and all those things, but we just filmed it. And for the first time we were back, we were working back in the theater on the stage and just having some artists back in the building and being on that stage and was remarkable. It was, it was um, pretty emotional for everybody. It, 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 we were kind of back to doing what we believe in. And now to be able to, you know, open the doors and welcome audiences back in because it's the number of people I've run into who said, you know, it's not just that they want to come back to the Belfry. They've said, you know, we need the arts and not just theater, but we need the arts and how much they've missed it mm -hmm. and how vital it is, you know, how, how, I don't think, you know, it's crazy. I, I, I always knew that we had loyal audiences and that people love going to the theater and all of that, but it, it truly, it wasn't until the pandemic hit. And I heard people saying that, that I really understood how vital it is for people, how much we need, we need to be feeding our, our souls and just looking at the world through other people's eyes and getting different perspectives on the world. And, you know, I try when I'm programming, I try to, I ask myself, does this uh, illuminate the world that people know? that our audience knows, uh, or does it illuminate a part of the world that the audience doesn't know? So are they getting a different perspective on, on the world we know, or are they being introduced to something, a world that they don't know? And that's kind of what I look for in, in the work that we do, that we're somehow um, giving people an opportunity to, to see something new or see something from a different angle. And I think it's, so important that our hearts and our brains are are being, you know, exercised and looked after, as well as you know, as as much as we look after our our bodies and our health. Definitely. Well, that's really exciting, and you know, it's great for the community, and it's great for everybody at the theater. So, um, I look forward to being able to see what's coming next and i'll be posting in the show notes some links to the belfry theater for those that want to check right. it out will you still be doing the online aspect of the theater performances in the fall or will that go away uh, yes we will we will be doing live streaming of the of the performances that we're that we're also doing live so we'll be live live streaming for as long as as um, as necessary you know until we can have full capacity again right and until people feel comfortable coming into the theater again which i hope they will soon yeah yeah that's great well congratulations on that and everything else that you have accomplished in your career so far and thanks so much for talking to me today michael this has been really great thank you renee i've enjoyed it very much thank you Thanks for listening to the Creative Dive Podcast. Music is by Psychic Pollution. If you enjoyed listening, please like, share, and subscribe. Catch you next time.